When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with my co-hosts, Luke, Kathleen, and Kyle, plus returning special guest, Tyler. And today, we're going to need the extra set of hands because we're going to try to tackle this year's Emmy Awards, specifically focusing the conversation on the eight nominations for this year's Outstanding Drama Series. And I'm just going to list those nominations right now for the audience's reference. They're going to be Ondor, Better Call Saul, House of the Dragon, Secession, The Crown, The Last of Us, The White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets. Now, between the five of us, we've all seen at least five or six of these shows, and we'll get to introduction of everybody who's on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, we've all seen like five or six of this year's nominations, with a couple of us having seen all eight of them. But we feel we have at least one SME here to represent or speak to each of these shows. And I think that's how we want to kick off the discussion here is by going around and introducing not only ourselves, but also each of our nominations for Outstanding Drama Series with a quick little one minute elevator pitch. After that, we're going to kind of just have an open conversation about the Emmys as a whole and our thoughts about this year's uh, show. There's lots to talk about because of the strike. It's very relevant. And I think this one, Kathleen, you just sent in, it got booted to January of 2024. So who knows what the hell is going to happen there um and then to close out we do have a couple special questions and categories that we made up just to kind of have some fun uh discussions and i'm sure it's going to spark some lively debates out here but that is everything i wanted to say i think we're just going to roll right into these excuse me elevator pitches here starting with kyle who will be presenting house of the dragon yeah so I appreciate that introduction, B-Tums. That was fantastic. Uh, my name is Kyle. I will be discussing House of the Dragon, which is a show that we covered on the podcast. So if you watched that show or you haven't watched that show and you're about to watch it after this amazing pitch, be sure to check out our coverage of the show. But House of the Dragon, uh, if you've been living, I guess, under a rock, is HBO's return to Westeros. Uh, pretty much just a reminder of why HBO is like the number one name in the adaptation game when it comes to TV shows. It's basically just a story focused on House Targaryen. Very popular house from the original show uh, about 175 years before. So no one from that show is alive now in this show. Uh, basically, you know, House House Targaryen, they're on the Iron Throne with an iron grip. They have a whole stable of dragons. It's just kind of everything we all loved about Game of Thrones. Political intrigue, very lived in world, great world building, CGI dragons, incest, you know, everything <laughs> uh, kind of checks all of the boxes, what we were all very interested in. And then um, it's really only the beginning of a story that. I, in my opinion, is probably even going to be more shocking than Game of Thrones was. I don't think people are really ready for how dark and insane this thing gets. Um, and it's all written, completely written. So they don't need to make anything up, which is what kind of ruined the original series. So uh, I highly recommend it. And I'm very happy that it made it to this, I guess, getting this level of recognition, I should say. No nominations, if I'm right, for any of the actors on the show. Unfortunately. I believe, you, I believe you're correct. Yes. 
that's definitely the takeaway for me is that there is no nominations for acting performances because it was kind of just universal that Patty, help me Constantine. out here, Constantine. who plays the king in the first season is freaking phenomenal and he should have been nominated. But overall, this was a great return to Westeros. I loved this show so much. And cover, we, me, Kathleen and Kyle covered it. Go check it out. The best coverage. So fun. Yeah, we had a mm-hmm. fucking blast. Um, well, I was waiting for Kyle to pass the baton, but I but I. I realized that's not going to happen. So I'll get into, <laughs> into I'll get in. <laughs> there's just a blank pause. And I, I guess I'll do the next show. So hey everyone, this is Tyler. I was on the silo podcast and a few of uh, the past Emmy and severance pitch town podcasts over the years. So excited to be here. Um, the show that I'm going to talk about very quickly is succession, which everyone that's listening to this pod, I hope that you are, as up your own ass with your television preferences as I am. And if you are, then I'm sure you listen to Kathleen and Kyle rip it on the succession pod. Uh, Mm. This was the final season of Jesse Armstrong's incredible show, which earned 27 Emmy nominations. It is minus 185 to win. It is part of the reason where last year when we did this Emmy pod, we were able to talk about who's going to win where this time we kind of had to switch it up because I it would be pretty shocking if the final season of succession doesn't take it home and coming in as affectionately binge towns, Logan, uh, <laughs> gotta say that I really enjoyed this final season and I think it is rightfully, um, being lauded as the favorite for a reason. And with that, I want to kick it, pass it back to our host, Brian, to talk about Andor. Andor, <laughs> yes. There was a, a discussion outside of this podcast. I had been referring to it as Andor, which I'm definitely going to do in the next minute or so again. But yes, Andor is somewhat of an underdog plus 2500 which seemed mean to single it out below everything else because Secession's going to win anyway. But okay. Yeah, and I would also say that I am the Star Wars guy of the group. Tyler, you're not a big Star Wars guy by nature, right? Uh, I've seen all the main, I've seen all the Star Wars, but I will say that Andor absolutely rocked my shit. I loved it. So, you know, I'm I'm with you on this one. I, I was loving to see that it got the nomination. Yeah, and I mean, all I was going to say is kind of along those lines, I'll eat up any piece of Star Wars content that I can. That's just how into the franchise I am. But Andor felt like an elevated experience when you compare it to everything else. The series follows the titular character Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, very well by Diego Luna, during a time period not often shown in the live-action Star Wars canon. Just to get your bearings, we're about 15 years after Palpatine executed Order 66, but still about five years before Luke Skywalker becomes relevant. So the Empire has a stranglehold on the galaxy and the rebellion is in its early, early phases. And the Empire is bad, bad news. I think that's one of the reasons why I love this series so much. Usually when you think Star Wars, you think incompetent stormtroopers who can't hit a shot to save their life. In this show, you're seeing people get executed by blasters. You genuinely feel like our heroes are in danger at every turn. It just doesn't feel like a typical Star Wars story but rather like a normal human story inside the star wars universe and yeah it added really good 
backstory to this character of Andor that if you go on to watch Rogue One will really pay off and probably elevate that movie. So for all these reasons, I just think Andor deserves a seat at this table. Yeah, it's the Star Wars spy show. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. That's the easy way to die. If you don't like the lightsabers, you're going to like the spy story. I, as a like non-Star Wars person, watched Andor recently. And this is Kathleen, by the way. I've seen seven of the eight. Andor was the last one I binged right before this. And it was such a good binge. I had randomly seen Rogue One with Jimmy, uh, another binge show member, and my dad in theaters because they asked me to go. And I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I went because I was like, Felicity is 10 out of 10. So I will go. Uh, but now I have to watch it again because Andor was so good. So even if you're not, if you don't even have the background, which I did not, I had no idea where we were. I was just ready to rock. It's a great standalone series. So I'm I'm glad I got the nomination too. Again, another show with the nomination for the series itself, but no actors got a nom, which is unfortunate. It is what it is. You had to yeah. fit everyone from the White Lotus. You couldn't miss someone. <laughs> That's yeah, all I'm going to say for now. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the nomination process later. But Kathleen, I think you're up. You got to go over. You get, you're the Anglophile here. I am. I am the lone crown watcher. So like I said, I've seen um, seven of the eight. The only one I haven't seen is Better Call Saul. And that's because I have committed the crime of never finishing Breaking Bad either. So eventually I will make my way through all of that. But for the crown, I'm going to talk a little bit more than the rest because I feel we won't talk about the crown at all again for the rest of the episode. So for anyone who doesn't know, Uh, The show is a dramatization of Queen Elizabeth's reign from like 1940s to current day. But season five, where we are now, which is what this nomination is for, is in the 90s, like early 90s. But it's the people around her and the scandals and the events that happen in the UK and beyond and everything that the crown um, or the monarchy has to deal with. But the structure of the show is that the characters get aged up. So uh, Claire Foy played the queen in the first two seasons, Olivia Coleman in the next two, which they both won for. And then uh, Professor Umbridge is, uh, or um, uh, Amelda Staunton plays her now in season five. No nominations. The lone nomination was Elizabeth Debicki, who plays Princess Diana, who is the crown of of the season and of last season, honestly. The most interesting part about all of this is that that in 2021, the crown swept everything. They won for best drama. They won for lead for both categories. They won for supporting for both categories. So they really swept. So this one only getting one nomination, kind of a dip. So the crown for me, in my opinion, was excellent in its first four seasons. And now the overall consensus of season five is that it dropped in quality. For example, Rotten Tomatoes was like 71 and 84, respectively, for season five. But the the rest of the seasons were 90s, high 90s or like 89, etc. But for me, it earned the nomination this year. The acting stays stellar and phenomenal from top to bottom on this type of show. I mean, it's really well done. I think that the subject matter in this season is a little less interesting than in previous seasons. But like I said, what saves it is Princess Diana. and Everyone knows how iconic Princess Diana is. Like, she was everyone's favorite. But the devastation of, like, watching her last season young marrying Charles and then her kind of downfall and, like, loneliness and isolation from the monarchy and everything else and being a part of this family. Like, the best part about the show is the scandal and then, like, 
it's a weird, eerie feeling like watching this and feeling double empathy because one, I'm like watching a show and something sucks for someone. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this happened in real life. And of course, everyone knows like the tragedy of Princess Diana. She died in the late 90s or like mid 90s. So we haven't seen that yet. That'll be in season six, which will be its last season. Um, but there is something weird about like the, the intrigue of the show being that it's it's a dramatization, but it's true. So for me, I think it's really enjoyable. I think it's super well done. The way it's shot and directed and the music beats and everything, I think it's well done. Um, I just think it's not a show for everybody, probably. It's just like, out of all of these shows, it's the least fun, 100%. I mean, I've never seen Better Call Saul, but I, I assume that's a really fun show. So I, I, I understand why people don't watch this show. I know exactly one other person who watches The Crown. But yeah, so <laughs> as someone who hated AP Euro in high school. I fucking love the crown and I do think it deserves the nomination. I don't think it'll win, but I think it deserves the nom. And um, I don't have anything else to say. It's just that it's a good show. I'm not pitching it to any of you. I'm just saying. It's a great, <laughs> yeah. It's a don't think show, it's up I've, my alley, but no. I definitely, I love the idea of aging actors up and it's actually funny that house of the dragon did that as well and it seems that they both were received well it's hard to pull that off in real life circumstances because of the, all the actors and stuff but yeah my mom talks about watching it all the time so there you go you got a fan you could pitch to right there so oh okay teens got it Kathleen, my own I sister got a, i got one question for you before we move on elizabeth debicki guess her height oh god she's tall is she like six foot six three. Oh, i mean her playing Diana is so iconic because Diana famously has all these fits that are just like the revenge dress, the eagle shirt, all of these like crazy outfits that are famous and iconic. And she's rocking them during the season. And it's also weird because in season one, you're watching something from the 40s. So it's not anything you're really thinking of. And then now it's in the 90s, like Prince William and Prince Harry are in the show. They're just like. I feel like Prince Harry is like our age. He's not, but you know what I mean? It's so bizarre. It's like he's like naked in Vegas somewhere at some point in our lifetime. Like, I <laughs> so bizarre. Anyway. All right. You ready for me I'm to jump in hand here? It off? Yes. Hit it, Luke. So I'm going to be, this is Luke. I'm going to be covering Better Call Saul. And this almost feels unnecessary because everybody and their mother has heard of Better Call Saul. It is the spinoff prequel to almost the biggest show of all time in Breaking Bad. And I would think that two other binge townies who are not on this podcast, Jimmy and Dave, would argue it's their favorite show of all time. So this almost feels like mandatory TV watching if you're a fan of Breaking Bad at all, because the quality of the writing from Vince Gilligan, the showrunner who did both of them, is just almost perfect. I would say that the biggest calling card of the show is the writing is just it's like flawless. Like the acting's good. The plot's always interesting. And of course, just like the characters themselves, you really grow in. You, you, you always love them, even though they're kind of like great characters. But my God, dude, the writing is so compelling and how he opens up every episode, just like Breaking Bad with like a little flash forward of to like a foreshadowing of something to come. It's always very interesting how we get from point A to point B. But if you like Breaking Bad or you're aware of it at all, this is definitely going to be a show that you need to add to your list. Bob Odenkirk, who plays the uh, main character saw as he's transitioning from his um, early shady lawyer days of Jimmy McGill into becoming Saul Goodman of the Breaking Bad universe is just a fucking masterpiece to watch. And I won't even go as far as to say this is like my favorite on the list, but like this is still something that 
I just look at and just hope that everybody takes notes on how to write a TV show because you feel like there's no plot holes. Everything makes sense. All the character progressions, all the character mindsets and their and their decision making. It's just all there. And to add on to it, you get some backstory for Gus Fring, who is one of the most famous antagonists of all time now. And then Mike Ehrmantraut, who's great, also found out recently that he's a mainstay in the back half of community. So I'm sure that has a fan base right there. But yeah, like. I can throw it to Tyler if you want to say a thing or two, but just overall, like this show got a 9.0 on IMDb, 98% critics, 96% audience. Like this is just universally loved. And this was the final season. So you can add that to the list because you're not going to be waiting for the next season to come out. This was the finale. And the way that it ended with season six was mind blowing. Like there's just so much that happens in that final season. They even gave it a couple of extra episodes compared to the earlier ones. This show is is for you if you like drama and you like really good writing. And of course, if you like Breaking Bad, you got to jump into Better Call Saul because this is just something that always deserves to be nominated for these types of shows. It just it just hits on almost every cylinder in terms of production. No notes. There's a reason that uh, last year when we did this Emmys pod, I thought that Better Call Saul was going to win last year. So um, I think I did, too. I think that was my prediction as well. Yeah. Is Better Call Saul still on like AMC Network? So Netflix has them all and like season six came out on Netflix a couple of months ago and it was like a big gap, the lag between when it aired and, you know, when they actually got it. So I finally got to binge the final season recently. Uh, But yeah, I think it's AMC and then Netflix has all six right now. Cool. Yeah. When we, Kyle, when we get to, or uh, Brian, rather, when we get to talking about potential changes for the Emmys, I mean, that's where we're going to get into things like Better Call Saul, because let's be honest, the season six ended august 15th of last year so the fact that we're talking about it right now i mean netflix didn't have the rights of it for 11 months after it finished Mm -hmm. so it's kind of the problem with something like better call saw where it's realistically lost some momentum just from how long ago it ended but a great show nonetheless who's got white lotus for us I'm going to pick back up White Lotus and then Kyle's going to jump back in. Me and Kyle did a White Lotus episode earlier, I guess, end of last year, just covering how much we loved it. So uh, Mike White's The White Lotus, it's exactly my kind of show. Just absolutely like sexy murder mystery, hot actors all around. Not to mention some of my favorite actors of all time, Aubrey Plaza, Megan Fahey, Absolute Slays. It's goofy and like almost whimsical without being like in a fantasy setting. It's just as whimsical as it could get for just normal human beings. Um, not cowards I've, either. Not cowards. Not cowards. <laughs> I I think that was a um what's it called? A you know what I'm yeah. saying? Theo James. What's that called? A fake Prosthetic. penis. how dare you that was a real penis (laughs) but not cowards i did love that i i think i rewound a few times after that but (laughs) like i said set in a gorgeous place huge slungs um one of the best theme songs of all time every single sunday when the episode ended i was just absolutely dying for more which is the best again another one of those sunday night hbo shows we've been harping on i feel like i've said that sentence so many times but mostly because we covered House of the Dragon, White Lotus, The Last of Us, Succession. We've just been had such like a year full of like gorgeous Sunday nights, which I'm missing right now, to be honest. But it earned water cooler status uh, for me and for a lot of people. 
And in this day and age, that's really hard to do. Um, there's nothing quite like it. And I loved it so much that I ended up binging Mike White's Survivor season because I just needed to know this man in real life as well. And I was like, what? what is this mind who created this show? I need to know. But great acting. Um, I know there's... I think later we're going to have some controversy in how many nominations the actors got for <laughs> White Lotus. Um, when you look at at the one category, I think it's actor or maybe it's actresses. It's just White Lotus and Succession. That's it. I do think that's a little out of control, but I do think they were earned. So it's tough. So I'm ready to duke it out later. Kyle, over to you. Yeah, I mean, I think you covered pretty much most of it. It's just like a lot of actors that you know and love in a fun little romp for whatever it ends up being. Eight episodes, six episodes, eight episodes. My girlfriend and I used to just watch it together. It was a fun little show for us to watch together. I really think, honestly, anyone could like it. Uh, I sold it to my sisters. It's kind of like reality television, but like more of like a scripted drama, even though you could obviously make the argument that reality television itself is a scripted drama. Yeah. But yeah, it's just... I don't know. I had a blast watching it. It was really fun to cover as well. It's it's interesting that they it got a drama nom this time when last Emmys it won for limited anthology series, and now it's in the drama category, which is just an interesting little change up for it. Because it got at the same like same level of acting nominations last time, but it wasn't drama acting nominations. It was limited series nominations, which I think is a better like kind of lane for it. But obviously, we'll talk about that later. And okay. We got what two left, right? We got two shows left. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be given The Last of Us next, but I did just want to say I thought it was a great move having some continuation from season one of White Lotus to season two through Jennifer Coolidge, but yeah. having it otherwise be like its own isolated universe, if you will. So I just thought that played really well from a show perspective. Uh, but yes, The Last of Us, I think I'm the only one in this group that has played the video game. Correct. I played a little bit of it, but I know the story. Get played game. a little bit. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paint me impressed. Um, yeah, The Last of Us actually going back to the Vegas odds plus 500, which means it's in the thick of it there. It's fighting. It's not going to win, but it's fighting. Yeah. I, I mean, The Last of Us is just this completely beloved video game, not just because the gameplay is just solid airtight, but also because this story following Joel and Ellie is brilliant and you felt like you were you were really like playing through a movie. That's the quality of the storytelling in the video game. And when you have a source material that is so beloved, there's always going to be this pressure to deliver with a live action adaptation. And specifically for video games, a lot of them don't translate well to the big screen, but HBO just knocked it out of the park. I think they completely captured the essence of what made the story great. And for the most part stuck, to the original source material as best they could. The few times they did stray were usually positive, such as the Bill and Frank episode, which was one of the most compelling episodes of television I've seen all year. That was an absolutely fantastic narrative change. However, there were sometimes I didn't agree with the slight changes. They just stuck Melanie, our girl, Melanie Linsky in there as a villain, like right in the middle of the season. Um, And she stuck out like a sore thumb to anybody who was playing the video games. Like, where did this chick come from? Her motivations were completely out of whack. And I think they just played her into this crazy, unnuanced villain that was just not that good um also i probably could have used some more action sequences this is supposed to be a zombie series after all and if you played the game i mean the only gameplay was you just mowing down zombies there wasn't a lot of that 
uh, clickers. I'm sorry, get the terminology right. They're called clickers in the Last <laughs> of Us universe. Sorry, people are ripping their hairs out here. Um, but for the most part, on door, on door, <laughs> hold the door. Okay, come on. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, they they did nail everything that made the game feel special. Uh, to video game players, I think Jimmy is way more passionate about it than I am, but. Most video game players agreed this is one of the best adaptations ever for a video game. Pedro Pascal is just a phenomenal, like, facial actor. Specifically, he is ascending to the just a nailed on a list celebrity at this point, but he was really able to convey both kind of this mournful, tender side to the character of Joel, but also just turn it on, flip the switch, and show the ruthless side as well. Um, and then Bella Ramsey, she is just an ascending superstar. There is no two ways about it. Might be a little bit early for her to win, but she, again, already has a seat at the table and it is completely deserved. She is a force to be reckoned with. And uh, Ellie is one of those beloved characters. And she had a lot of the more difficult line deliveries in the game that people were waiting for all of them. And I think she just did an incredible job with the character. So I think they did both of the characters justice and they stuck to the source material, which is all you can really ask. So, yeah, just another HBO home run. And we covered it on the podcast. So oh, boy. If did you we. are convinced now after B-Tom Spiel, then uh, watch along with us in your ears after each episode. <laughs> Any other comments Damn, before boy. I take the last one here? Take okay. us uh, home. We, we, got, yeah. we, got, we got a long pot ahead of us, man. We got to wrap true this. That, we, got to, we got to get into that. So I'm going to talk about the final nomination here, and this is one that's near and dear to the Bingetown hearts here because we are going to be talking about Showtime's Yellow Jackets. And we actually covered this on the podcast pretty recently. It was me, uh, Kathleen, Brian, and Dave. We had a blast covering it. The se- this is the second season that we're talking about. And to level set, there is a planned five-season course for the show. And what this show is about is imagine a group of high schoolers get together and they're on a plane ride because they're the best in the country at soccer. So high school age, I think they're, I think they're all seniors. They're heading across country and they end up crashing in the Northwest of uh, let's call it, let's call it like Canada, Seattle area, just all wilderness. And they're stuck by themselves. And we find out quickly that all hell breaks loose. I'm talking cannibalism, betrayal, just mystery intrigue. Like all of this is going on. You find this out within the first episode and what's very interesting about the show and sets it apart is that it actually takes place in two timelines that are going back and forth at the same time. We have the actual crash and what's ha- what's what's occurring in the wilderness takes place in the 90s. And then you skip ahead to 20 years and we're following some of the survivors that made it through this horrific um, nightmare of an experience. And we're seeing them deal with the PTSD and also connecting mysteries that all kind of came out in the wilderness when these girls were together. I want to say that it's probably suffers a little bit from being on Showtime because it doesn't have the backing of HBO or Netflix, but it is a really, really fun show. I will, I'm not surprised that it has the lowest odds on here, or at least tied for the lowest odds at plus 2,500. There's almost no chance it's going to win, especially because the consensus is that season two is a little bit worse than season one. I would argue they're, they're similar, but the mystery kind of rubs off a little bit, but they do have that full set plan of the five seasons were written before they started, which is one of my favorite qualities of any TV show because they know where they're going. So I'm just going to trust them. I loved the first two seasons. I'll continue to keep watching it. Uh, And then, Brian, you mentioned Melanie Linsky. She's actually a highlight of this show, in my opinion. She gives one of the best performances. She's probably the the top billing here. 
we have some other big actors. Kathleen, remind me, um, Nat's actor. Juliette Lewis. And then we have Christina Juliette Ricci, a fan fave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have some star power in this show and it does have a following. It's been growing since season two because clearly it's being nominated here as one of the best shows. But yeah, I know I know Tyler's going to be a little bit of a downer here, even though he was one of the OGs to pitch us this. But um, it's a really fun show and it's and it's kind of marked by how much you grow to love the characters. So and the mystery, I would say the, the best thing I can compare this to is a little bit lost, a little bit Lord of the Flies. Like that's how you got to think about it going in. And if you're here for just fun characters that are going to get into some wild, chaotic shit, this is the show for you. I'm the music jump slaps in. too. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. Music absolutely slaps. <laughs> I just wanted to jump in before Tyler had a chance to say anything bad. <laughs> I, I'm not. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, we got. <laughs> no, we, got we got. There's going to be plenty. Now we're good. Provoke me. <laughs> no, we're good. I just, I just adore that show. It gives me the warm and fuzzies for being a um, Hannibal show. I think there's two barriers of entry to Yellow Jackets. One being Showtime. Two, just being the word cannibal. People immediately think they're going to be icked. And honestly, until season two, I don't think there's like much of an ick factor. Uh, two, two really dialed it up, I think. But man, just an all female cast, absolutely burning it down. Love Yellow Jackets. All right. I feel like that ties a nice bow on our one minute, which we were strictly enforcing the one minute rule <laughs> on our elevator pitches there, of course, as we do. <laughs> I have a soft hand as a host here. I was letting you guys fly. Um, but yeah, I think we just kind of wanted to open it up to our thoughts on the Emmys as a whole. If you couldn't tell, we certainly have our gripes on some of the nominations. Uh, actually, I think the nominations for Outstanding Drama feel pretty good mostly with the lead and supporting actor and actresses. But I think we just wanted to have a freewheeling discussion and talk that out. Kathleen was a responsible host and did some homework. So she's going to hit you with some Snapple cap facts about the Emmys right now. Okay, I got you. So every um, award show is a little bit different. So the way you get nominated, et cetera. So I wanted to get the facts down. So to be nominated for an Emmy, you have to first be submitted for consideration. And most of the time, the candidate submits themselves. It's kind of like Shivroy submits herself for season four, episode nine, whatever. You know what I mean? Or Shivroy, you know, as if she's a real person in real life. Um, okay, so to be eligible, the program has to have aired from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., which is interesting, between June 1st of the previous year and May 31st of the year of the ceremony. Only members of the Academy can vote both for the nominations and the awards. The difference being for nominations, all members of the Academy can vote on all program categories. But for the winners, some specific categories are limited to only having members vote within their own discipline. So actors voting for actors, writers voting for writers, etc. So they don't cross pollinate. Some do for certain categories. Some don't. I didn't get into that. But in general, you got to be in the Academy to be able to be a part of this. So it is like peer voted. So when people say and I think Tyler was the one who mentioned it's like a popularity contest. Yes, <laughs> you know, because it's it's a it's a jury of your peers. Right. So that's yeah. it. Yeah, I'm very opinionated on this. I was pushing. I think maybe my debut on the Binge Down podcast was the Emmy podcast last year. Is it that was, right, yeah. Kathleen? So, yep, I guess my passion lies in the fact that the Oscars are something that matters so much to to film and cinema and like anything over time tv has gotten to the point where it is 
more important than movies. I know, you know, uh, Barbenheimer would have something to say about that. And there's a lot going on, but even so TV has changed. And the whole way that the Emmys are set up is to react to a world that doesn't exist anymore. Let me give you a couple examples. Why the fuck does this go from May to June in the year? You know why? Because it used to be that during the summer, nobody put any things, anything on the air. And then in September, all the shows came out where meanwhile, the bear we're flash forward to now we've got the bear season two that's already come out. And season one is just being nominated in this Emmy yeah. for best for best comedy, which is not even a comedy. So the Emmys are the best thing we've got in terms of an awards show for television. And I want them to be important because I want television to have that center stage because it's become so important to all of us. But the more the Emmys go on and the popularity contest and some of the, you know, some of the categories, which I know we were joking about before, but, you know, looking at, looking at certain categories and seeing two shows dominate them is, is pathetic. And it's not right. It's not right. You know, there's not enough representation of all the shows out there. And I want to first off, give it back to everybody on, on the pod to talk about like whether you even thought about the Emmys that way beforehand. And then I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. I have my own, obviously on what you would change if you could change anything moving forward. But I've this year set me off a little bit in terms of just some of the nominations and the way that some of them, the timing of the shows this year, I had to, had to get that off my chest guys. Let, let me jump in then because I don't have, I'm not like super opinionated about the Emmys themselves, but what I do appreciate about them is they, they give that pulse check of like the mainstream consensus. And also it lends itself really well to like conversations with not only just the podcast, like your friends, about what's hot right now. So like, that's what I use it as. I can't even tell you if I've ever even sat down and watched the Emmy ceremony in the last 10 years. So like, I definitely use it more as an informative thing and seeing where people's heads at heads are at of just what the best TV is right now. But I agree. Like, I hate the idea of like, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of white Lotus now, but like Ethan got nominated as like best actor compared to like Patty from, from house of the dragon. Like, I don't, I don't fuck with all that. So like, I kind of agree with where you're going with it, that it shouldn't be so much that it can kind of get dominated by a certain subset because critics love this one show. It got a hundred percent. It's going to get everything out there. It just doesn't really make sense. And it's not the best representation. So I guess that goes against my point about the pulse check, but at the same time, it is an honor just for the nominations. I care less about the winners. I care more about what's getting out there as act- and getting recognition. Yeah. Emmys is like my Super Bowl. I've watched like the past six or seven years. I'm obsessed with it. Like when Shits Creek swept for their final season, all of the categories, I like flipped a table in my house. I was so fucking excited. Um, I have I haven't thought about how maybe the way the way the timing works out that it's like an antiquated system tyler that's a great point i haven't thought about that i have definitely in the past thought wow i can't believe that's the season we're talking about for this year's emmys it feels like a million years ago or like something like better call saul will lose steam because it was like fell in the worst time but that's exactly why all of those shows now hit 
early in the year because they want to hit that cutoff date and they don't want to be left in the dust. That's why there was so much TV early. We like on the pod, we were just ripping episodes at all times. At one point I had like three shows going at once. So I, I, I haven't quite dug into my feelings about the nominations of the actors and actresses. Um, a lot of my favorites got um, nominated, but once once we sat down to do this episode, it was the first time I was like, wow, so many people were left out because we are going to do changes we would have made, people we would have wanted nominated. And then I sat down to, and thought about the whole all the shows and I listed like 12 people that I wish. So let me throw it back to you guys. Do you think that it would make more sense to cap the amount per category that a show can have? So there's only two like two noms from succession allowed in the in the lead actor. If there's eight nominations, they can only have two. Meanwhile, they have four in this one. You know what I mean? Can I ask the question that doesn't the word lead suggest that there is one lead and then subsequent others? That seems a little bizarre to Brian. <laughs> so, yes, by the about- very nature, you should be able to cap it to one. It just seems arrogant and selfish to throw in like anything more than that. Have an adult conversation be like, all right, but actually, who is the lead actor this season? And that could, ch- for a show like Secession, maybe that changes from season Or to Yellow season. Jackets, because you made that point and, when we were go- talking about that before. Well, absolutely, yeah. I don't even think you could pinpoint, a, it could be argued in either show, you could pinpoint one singular lead actor, so then maybe yeah. you're just talking to supporting actor. And I think part of what Kyle was saying about how White Lotus last year was an anthology limited series, whatever, and now it just got elevated to outstanding drama, presumably just because they were just like, actually, this show deserves a shot at like the, the top, real, yeah. yeah, the real awards. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's be honest. As a casual fan of these award shows, which most people are, you care about lead actor, actress for comedy and drama and the outstanding comedy and drama. Everything else mm-hmm. is just background to that. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a couple things. The voting is clearly whack. If you're getting so many people and lacking that diversity, maybe they can make it like NBA all-star voting, which is now one third fan, one third coaches and players, one third like beat writers and stuff, whatever the equivalent to I'm, television. I'm loving, would where be. I'm loving where your head's at. I, That's the kind of creative thinking that we need to update this, this system in the Academy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just seems like these awards aren't really legitimate because not everybody who should be there is there and you got like five people from one show and like we can all just say okay these four probably shouldn't even be here i i just think with the way with the strike going on i want to talk about these shows and i wanted to do this pod because these shows deserve to be talked about but outside of that it's almost like let's just take a step back and let's rethink you know, the categories, let's rethink how we get nominations. Let's rethink Mm -hmm. who we're voting for, because I don't know how many years I'm going to be able to keep giving a shit about the Emmys. If I have to watch, you know, fucking Barry go up in a competition against Wednesday for something (laughs) like that. This is just insane. This is, it's just like, what are we, what are we doing here? This isn't, you know, TV is not the West wing any anymore. You know, it's got a lot more to it. And we need to the Emmys need to get their shit together is my point. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and say 
I think this year's nominations, especially for drama series, is tough because I would say Succession, White Lotus, Yellow Jackets are and The Crown are all ensemble. The Crown, maybe you could pick a lead, but they're all fully ensemble. Like Succession, I guess Logan or Kendall used to be the lead, but in this season, it's like, I don't know. It seems like they all had equal playing time on the field. You know what I mean? And then and then there's other shows like House of the Dragon where you think you can pick, and it is of absolute crying shame that Paddy Considine in his only season in, in that House of Dragon is not going to get a nomination. That's bullshit because he was fucking excellent. Um, but I do want to say, Brian, um, kind of in to contradict a little bit, is that I think the anthology used to be like, like, one that nobody cared about, but I think it's now coming into its own where there are a lot of really good anthology series. That's one I do really care about. So there are some other ones that I do care about. Um, Like this, this year it's beef, which was great. Dahmer, which I didn't watch. I know people liked Daisy Jones and the six, which I loved. Fleischman is in trouble, which I loved. And then Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I heard was great. Did not watch. It um, was not I- great. It was good to okay, but very flawed. So here's my thing. Why is Andor drama and Obi-Wan Kenobi anthol or limited series? Stupid Andor- question. I think they might have plans to continue Andor. I mean, yeah, they kind of left it open-ended a- at the end. Yeah, Andor okay. is going to have multiple seasons. Kyle, could I ask you if you have anything for this? category of conversation i don't think i do i think you guys covered everything i agree with what tyler said i didn't know i agreed until he put the words out there into the universe Um, (laughs) so we're here for baby (laughs) yeah so i yeah i mean i don't again i really don't i don't want to say the phrase i don't care but like at at the end of the day i i think i agree with luke in the sense that like i'll look at it and be like oh wow okay that show i liked was nominated or okay that show i liked won you know, like I was a mm-hmm. huge Game of Thrones fan, never watched a single Emmys of them winning all the awards they won. It was just like a little extra sauce on the side, I guess, where like, you know, it was just nice to have versus me ever really formulating an opinion about it. I use I think- it for ammo to convince people, but I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. much what it boils down to. I think there's like a little bit of the Emmys we're missing here where when you watch the Emmys, there is. It's getting more cringe. First of all, the Emmys are bullshit. All awards are absolute bullshit. But mm-hmm. it's fun to see everybody in the same room interacting. And it used to be like there was great monologues and people would do bits like Kristen Wiig and Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell would do a bit. And then when your favorite show wins and you watch the people like crying on stage giving a speech like that matters to me. I love TV and I love watching people you know win and be celebrated for something they worked so hard on so i do think there is it it matters that it be fixed to to be fair for everybody and to like get give everyone their stars and and i i I just love it i i like weep at the emmys every year or the oscars or whatever i'm like the oscars i i see like one movie a year on the oscars and i'm like weeping at everyone winning everything everywhere all once every time they won this year which was yeah. phenomenal I, it's you know? a, certainly worthwhile to have something like this to reward people for you know creating this level of art that we all enjoy so much but yeah for me personally 
I guess you can only care about so many things in your life. Yeah, and the Emmys, yeah. the Emmys haven't yeah. really wormed their way, I guess, into that bucket. And that's that's a good cap. I think the Emmys need to they need to choose whether you know. I think it's fair that a lot of people don't give a shit about them and maybe use them to convince people to watch a show when they didn't even watch the Emmys, which I think is fair. But I'd like to live in a world where we're at the Oscars level with an Emmys and maybe like Pedro Pascal is slapping the shit out of Jeremy strong up there and wow. uh, instead, of, instead of Will Smith. So, <laughs> Oh my God, what an image. Jeremy wouldn't hurt, Jeremy wouldn't hurt a flyer and sold anyone. So maybe <laughs> but I don't want to step on, step on our host toes, but that, that does kind of lead us into what we would uh, maybe some fun categories or things that, that could be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We did have that list of questions that Luke sent out. So I was just going to rip it with the first one on that list. Uh, but we have show with the best villain slash antagonist slash antagonist. I guess they're not exactly the same thing. And I am more than happy to kick off the conversation. I just rewatched Andor, so I think I have a heavy case of recency bias, but I absolutely loved this portrayal. Uh, the character's name is Dedra Miro. She plays a commanding officer rising the ranks of the Imperial Security Bureau, like their internal intelligence. And you kind of get to see kind of the culture of the officers from her eyes. And, oh, my gosh, probably a healthy dose of misogyny in the workplace. This woman rise in the ranks. She is she is just ruthless. I thought her portrayal was money. Uh, The actress's name is Denise Gao. It it was just it was great. I I was like hypnotized by her portrayal. I think she knocked it out of the park and was just a great villain. Love that. A Dedra, Dedra Miro drop. She was she was great. Luke, she was you, awesome. you, you came up with this question, Luke. So you must have had a thought. What was I uh, actually? Who- I think I'm going to surprise you and Tyler. You're really going to be the only one that could check me on this. Tell me how hot this take is. But I'm <laughs> okay. going to nominate Lalo Salamanca, who's played by Tony Dalton in Better Call Saul. And this is not something I saw coming because I'm someone that's lower on Breaking Bad and the Breaking Bad universe and the consensus still top 10, just not top three for me. But this actor comes in and for anybody familiar with the world, he's he with the Breaking Bad world. He's a Salamanca. So he's like one of the main family member offshoots of the antagonists in Breaking Bad. And this guy is so charismatic as a villain, just with the biggest smile, the best mustache in the world. He's scary as fuck. He's tactful. He's tactful. He's badass. He pretty much checks every single bo- every single box I could think of. And I'm even willing to put him as my second favorite uh, character in the Breaking Bad universe behind Walter White. I have him ahead of Gus Fring because of how good he is in the back half of Better Call Saul. And Tyler shaking his head is making me feel like I got some validation there. No, so no, I, I love that this. take. I would... Yeah. I would probably throw out there that in the in the final season of Better Call Saul, Lalo probably has a scene that is more like shocking than any scene in any other show from this past year. So that's a great that's a great nomination. He is uh, strangely terrifying for yes, sure. He's, he's sure. worth watching the show for by himself. So but that's my pick is Lalo Salamanca played by Tony Dalton. Love it. Kyle, hit us. Yeah, so this was an interesting one to think about just because I think in some of them, it's kind of, you might be straining to even think of who like would be considered a villain or an antagonist, but I'm going to do a classic succession thing for me, and I'm going to put on the mask of Kendall Roy 
So then I am going to pick Logan Roy as the best villain slash antagonist of all of these shows. He is just a fantastic television character. Um, We love to quote him in the podcast that we did about Succession. It's just iconic. I mean, there's just something about him sitting in a chair, watching the news, like summoning one of his children, promising them the world. And then the next episode starts and he completely ruins their life. And it's just (laughs) there's just something special about watching him absolutely torture his children for four seasons. Uh, So for me, the nod has to go to Logan Roy. What's your your favorite quote? Okay, there Um, you go. (laughs) There's almost too many to count, but just a classic fuck off is always good for me. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Kathleen, is that who you're taking or do you have another one? Uh no, that's a great one. Um mine I I had to I'm going to go mostly because he was I thought like a savage and a great actor, but I fucking hated him. So I don't know if it's like the best villain because he was like getting not Joffrey-ish because no one's Joffrey, but like I want to fucking kill him. Especially I'm thinking of that like dinner scene, like Viserys's last dinner scene. I'm like, oh my God. But I was also going to say Sir Kristen Cole because that was like kind of the bit on our coverage at the end of every episode we would do an MVP and LVP. And I would say Sir Kristen Cole for the LVP every fucking week. So full um, sign off. He's a man of principle and honor. How dare you? Yeah. I don't know if I'll take I don't know if I take Eamon because he probably had like 15 minutes of screen time in his older form in in, in total. But I like that. Uh, I'll wrap us off. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Tom Hollander, who plays Quentin in White Lotus season two, because he is, and he is the you know wow. gay swinging you know crazy guy on the back end that's tr- trying to trick Jennifer Coolidge, and I think sometimes you know we just don't we've got all these villains now that it's not clear if you're a villain or you're not you know what it you know same with like Logan where you know I. I love a little good old fashioned Bond villain that's got just bad intentions the whole time mm-hmm. and guess what's coming to him. So I'm going to go with my boy, Tom Hollander, who uh, is a great actor from uh, from White Lotus for this one. That is a fantastic choice. That is. That's a great I was choice. trying to think of like, who would I pick from White Lotus? And yeah, that's that's probably the right choice. <laughs> These days. <Should> <laughs> <laughs> Let's I mean, go reverse and, order for this second yeah. uh, category here. So, B-Toms, lead us into the second category, and Tyler, take it away. Yeah, so next category is going to be show that you are most likely to re-watch in the future. I'm kind of excited for this one. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. tough for me because anyone that knows me knows that rather than watch new shows, I'll just re-watch shows that I like. So, multiple shows on this list I have already rewatched. But I think I'll throw out Better Call Saul because a six season, you know, thriller like a Better Call Saul, uh, it's I didn't go back at the end of at the beginning of every season and rewatch to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like now that I've been watching it as it went every step of the way and it's done, I might get more value out of like a strung together rewatch. I did that again for Breaking Bad during the during the heat of the pandemic of COVID-19. And I feel like Better Call Saul would be, I'd get a lot out of that rewatch, but I will say, yeah, Andor, Last of Us, Succession, White Lotus. I've got, I've already got 
multiple watches on all of those shows. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't help myself. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm a rewatcher. Like a lot of these shows I will rewatch, especially something like House of the Dragon and Yellow Jackets and The Last of Us, where we are going to just keep watching, keep covering on the pod. So I always need to rewatch before we can dive into the next season. But if I had to pick one that I'll rewatch the most will be my girl, Yellow Jackets, uh, forever Mm. and ever. I've already rewatched a lot. And when we do the pod, I watch it twice and then I'll watch it again at the end. So I... I love the yellow jackets and I'll I'll rewatch it every single time, multiple times until we get to the end and then I'll run it back. Yeah, that's my aunt right there. (laughs) 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 I think I think in the reverse order is me next. Um, So this is this is such an interesting question. And I think that the next category is also quite interesting. Um, And I think they kind of for me, if they play off each other somewhat interestingly, like in terms of most likely to rewatch like white Lotus feels like the lowest hanging fruit just because it is just like a single season of an anthology show. So in mm-hmm. theory, it's the easiest one to rewatch because the, like the, you know, the commitment level is so much lower, but I just feel like house of the dragon for me is like game of Thrones is like, you know, that's my John ski. That's kind of what I roll around in. <laughs> um, and I would like Kathleen said, like we covered it. I watched the episodes a bunch of times. I know I will rewatch the first season before the second season comes out. And I'm sure it'll just be one that I periodically go back to. So I think House of the Dragon would be my answer here. I know there's so many that, like Tyler said, that they fight for that spot, but I feel like going with my mm-hmm. heart is House of the Dragon. I like that. Ryan, I think you're next. Nah, I started. Oh, us you started? Last okay. Time, yeah. All right. So easy answer to follow up, Kyle, because I was flirting with the same two. And my reasoning is a little bit different here, but I was so shockingly passionate about white lotus 2 and i watched it like three weeks ago for the first time it blew my mind how much i loved it maybe it was the timing of me just coming back from a vacation of an all-inclusive resort and it was just (laughs) something i just binged front to back season one and season two in like i don't know six seven days whatever it was some of these characters are super likable for me like they just stand out as like armand was one of the best things i've like he he gave the best performance shout out to frank's uh he wasn't frank right he was was he bill or frank and in uh the last oh, shit, of us in the last of us best episode of the last uh, of us, yeah i sure. think he was who's, who's nick offerman's uh husband beat thumbs i forget oh! who's who. I, I, i'm well, like the actor the actor that... is murray bartlett so yeah murray, murray bartlett's the man i, I know you want to frank. frank yeah i know I you want to rewatch uh for for lucia though so that, that makes <laughs> sense I will be rewatching White Lotus a hundred times, but there's no competition here. I'm a slut for fantasy. Give me House of the Dragon all day. That lore and that depth is just there. There's there wasn't a lot of competition for my answer there, but White Lotus was a close second. Yeah, I think I'm gonna say House of the Dragon is mine too, mm-hmm. just because I can get lost in Game <laughs> of Thrones. But for conversation's sake, uh, pretty close second as well is Secession, which I'm surprised I'm the first of the five that has even mentioned it. I think. They put in a tight four seasons. I can't remember the last time a season ended. And I was just like, I don't think I can find many flaws with how they they closed yeah. out this story. I, I think season four really elevated it. And it was one that could have went on like three more seasons just because they could and everybody would still watch it. But they got in, they got out, and the ending was just great. I think this 
This was a really good show from top to bottom, and it's one it that I didn't cover on the podcast. I just binged it once, and mm-hmm. I I am looking forward to going back from the beginning, knowing how it ends, and watching it through those lenses. So, Secession, I'm I I'm really excited for my second watch through. Man, I living in that Succession world for those ten weeks was, was divine, great. and it I binged the three seasons in 2023 as well leading up to the fourth my girlfriend who was also on the pod was the was the you know big succession girl for years and years so me and kyle binged in 2023 so i binged it and then kyle was right behind me texting me lines from the show and i was just like living in this world and i was obsessed with it i'm like so sad it's over oh man you're so also i mean for my money obviously it's a drama category but it's definitely the funniest show of all of these two, in my yeah. opinion, I guess you know, I haven't seen Better Call, so I can't imagine that that Andor has a bunch of of comedy in it. But um, but succession, Andor. like a, just a rewatch of of letting all the jokes rewash over you, maybe catching some that you miss. Like there's just so many great moments so throughout it yeah. that yeah, just like fun to relive them for sure. All right, so now we are just going to flip our category, and the question is now turning to most likely to never watch again. Now, before we dive in, I want a clarification if this is like an ongoing show, like am I not going to continue it? Or like once it's finished and I watch it all, I'll never go back to watch it again. Good call, because mine may continue. Okay. How about we take it either way? Whoever, whatever. Yeah, you're I think feeling. it's either. I think it's either yeah. or. Honestly, okay. that works for me. I'm not going first, by the way. I just wanted to get that out. <laughs> We're gonna. Yeah, we'll We're start snaking. with me again. We'll just keep snaking <laughs> okay, this bad yeah. boy. Yeah. Snake that draft. Works. We love fantasy football. Yeah, Hell man, yeah. In favor of fantasy season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, I know I presented it, but for some reason, my knee jerk reaction to this question was The Last of Us, and I think it might just be because I played the video game, so I didn't get to be like blown away by the story seeing it for the first time. I'm sure if you didn't play the video game, you were like, whoa, this is insane, but I was constantly comparing it, and there were some minor flaws, Um, and I just think I saw the story through the video game so when i saw the show i knew what to expect um and i've also watched it probably twice every episode now just because i did cover it on the podcast i don't think i would need to revisit this one in a vacuum i will because we'll be covering season two for sure so i'll have to get a rewatch in but outside of that i i don't feel compelled to revisit the last of us okay so i'm going second and uh don't hate me here for this one, but I'm going to pick Succession as my answer. Um, it was always an uphill battle for me to this because this is like the opposite of my genre. And I still loved it. And I, I can appreciate everything it did objectively near perfect, near perfect, I will say. But the biggest draw for me was finding trying to flow with the mystery of who's going to win in the end and having the answer. It's going to be tough for me to kind of go right back into those four seasons because it's stressful and it's a lot and like it's emotionally draining at times and it does remind <laughs> yes, me of work a lot because that's like my setting uh which stresses me out even more some of the times but i i definitely love the show i don't regret watching it i'll recommend it to everybody and their mothers but four seasons of it just going back and forth kind of knowing the end goal is what kills the uh the idea of rewatching it for me but again not taking anything away from it i i love succession it just that's my answer 
you work for a living plus is that it <laughs> l to the og do be the og am i am i net no You're up, yes uh, okay. <laughs> I, didn't know whether to I had to get that beat out um <laughs> All right, so most likely to never watch again. Oh, this feels so mean. Um, I am really ping-ponging between Yellow Jackets and White Lotus, which is interesting because I just mentioned how White Lotus may have been there for a rewatch. But I just feel like, I don't know, how much do I need to watch season two of White Lotus again? I feel like I was, you know, I was in the moment. I did it. And it's kind of like... What level of benefit am I gonna get going through it again? Is how I'm thinking. Oh, and then with yellow, that's yeah, I mean, but I mean, it'll probably stick Seriously. around. I can just pop that on my iPhone and we're chilling. <laughs> um, and Yellow Jackets, I feel like for me, is a big like hype show that like it's so fun that we all watch together. But like two or however many years from now, when it's finished, and I'm like alone looking for a show, like will I fire that back up? Sure, probably not. Um, so I have to pick one of those two and I'm just going to say yellow jackets just because that's a five. It will be a five season commitment versus just simply rewatching one season of television. So my answer will be yellow jackets. All right. I'm sorry, but I do like that show, but makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Elaine. Okay. So my two are Andor and the crown, um, two shows that I'll continue watching until the end, but I just don't need to rewatch them. The crown. It's like, you got it. It's kind of long, full hour episodes, 10 episodes. Ooh. Yeah. And it's, there's 50 episodes. So that's just, that's a lot. And then Andor, like I said, I'm not a Star Wars gal, but I'm happy to have watched and I'll continue watching for the rest of time if that's how many seasons there are. But I will not loop back. Um, I'll just like read a recap or something for that. Although it was really good. I may watch episode six, the heist episode, which was chef's kiss that's the episode that sold me as i was like grinding until the end i'm like i gotta know i got to know what's going on six yeah. of 12 so pretty good i like I? that yeah i mean i'm i'm going yellow jackets um i am not gonna watch season three of this show i'm just putting it out there right wow. now um, that is just treason really jumped the shark for me this season didn't care about any of the characters i got two like i understand the two timelines going on and there's a lot of shows that can weave that but doing a straight 50 50 split like oh no their cabin's burning well i know who survived so i don't care you know like i just think and I know that they have five seasons, but the difference of a book, something based on a book that has five seasons written down that's already encapsulated versus Yellow Jackets, which has a beginning, an end, and they're just trying to figure out how to get there. And they're like, oh, we made some money. Let's get Frodo on here and just add him into the story. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be too much of a downer or have Kathleen put this on pause and run to my house and beat the crap out of me. But yeah, I just, I mean, I love the soundtrack, but I, uh, and I, and Christina Ricci, I mean, come on, but uh, <laughs> I just, what's in your, <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't get into this season and it, I, 
I think at some point along the way, I just stopped caring. Uh, maybe it was the slow motion stabbing montage in the finale that really got me to feel like, what am I even watching right now? But okay, can you at least tell you, me Tyler. that that you love Jeff as a lovable as a lovable house dad who who loves the last resort? Head banging a pop. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> like. I do think like Melanie Linsky is great in it. I think Christina Ricci's great in it. It's 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 one of the top shows that's out for a reason right now. But I mean, if I was nominating the top eight shows from the past year, it definitely wouldn't be one of those for me. Uh, to to me, it's bonkers that this mystery is one that I even if the show sucked, I feel like I'd have to watch it through. Like a plane <laughs> crash, they there's a plane crash, and then half of them die, and then they get rescued. What is what the happens? mystery is just know. how they go about the descent into madness of eating each other. Yes, but that's I what I must see it. But the but the mystery <laughs> is I can tell you the people that are alive. So there's your mystery. You know, it's not a mystery to me. I will say to kind of close out this Yellow Jackets hate parade. Um, <laughs> as we were covering it on the pod, I think I was looking at the show through rose colored glasses. As I've taken a step back, I think season two was definitely flawed. And I think it hangs in the balance going into season three. I think that Adam Martin saga just dragged on. Yeah. And Tyler's right. They, I don't think it's sustainable, a 50-50 split between the timelines if they're not giving us something to captivate us in the adult timeline. So yeah, like I thought, I thought personally that we were going to get to a point where like in the first episode, you show me how crazy they get. So I don't need seasons and seasons of seasons for them to get there. I would be much more interested if we just cut forward and we weave that through to explain some of the things that are happening in the present time, but then really dive in because again, like, I don't know, Melanie Lindsay's character, the, the, them in the world right now is what I found interesting, but the split between it just completely lost me. My closing comment is just I am concerned that they have five seasons. It does Agreed. not feel like a five season I, show. I can agree yeah. with that. We all yeah. kind of agree with that. That's fine. But yeah. you know, I love it. We cover it on the podcast. Go check it out. Okay. Oh, <laughs> totally worth your time. Don't listen to this guy. <laughs> For this one. <laughs> listen to the silent pod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As I we drag believe... him off the mic and the screen, that's <laughs> his last words. <laughs> um, for this one, I feel we should just say on three, most likely to recommend to a casual no, TV. You, these yes. never work. You always work. Jimmy, Absolutely I know not. you're in your, wherever you are listening to this, Jimmy, I am trying. We are not doing one. an on this three. One, maybe then let's skip it. I feel like it's, we need to like get to the, yeah, like... let's, let's skip it. Let's do oh, the right. Let's just one. No comments about it. Just say it. Okay. Brian or Tyler, your Tyler's first. Most first. Likely. So this is a show that I would recommend to somebody that's just a casual TV watcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. House of Dragons. They'll, you know, you'll, you'll get it. The White Lotus. Easy. The White, the Lotus. White Lotus. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Succession. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a total casual show. Look at this guy. We should have said it at it's once. A, it's a good <laughs> show, man. It is. If yeah, we all I mean, say it at once, you can't tell who said what. <laughs> you're not I gonna can. you're not gonna lose that any one. friends telling them to watch succession. I'll tell you yeah. that. Yeah. Right. All right. That's yeah. Agreed. All right, host. All right. So wrapping up kind of our questions category segment. 
what is a performance or show that you would add to kind of this nomination group, this this Emmys grouping? Um, I actually kind of thought it was difficult to come up with a show because I think the shows are in a pretty good spot. So I was more focusing on the performance. Am I still on your thunder? Is T Money back up in the snake? No, it's no, no, no. Go I like I I was liking where you're at because I think performance is probably the one that's a, mm-hmm. a better yeah, take. Agreed. I feel like Patty Considine is low hanging yeah. fruit, so let's just take him out of the equation. I do have a couple more. Uh, there were two people from Andor who I really really liked. I'm not sure if they were award uh nomination worthy so i'm just kind of gonna go with matt smith as damon targaryen Mm. just because iconic role he had the look he did the voice like he iconic iconic performance for an iconic character and i i just appreciated what he did it's been a while since i watched house of the dragon and i'm still remembering how much he just jumped off the screen so yeah matt smith as damon uh targaryen great answer um, so I great actually answer, have a little great bit answer, of a good answer. I have a little bit of a cheat answer, uh, and Tyler kind of alluded to it earlier, but what I would say is that taking it from another category, I wish the bear was nominated within the same category of shows we're talking about because it was one of my favorite things I've watched in the last year. Me, Kyle and Alki did a podcast on it and we oh, were just like gushing over it time. for like an hour. And it yeah. starts oh, at a cast. You want to talk about it's going more. over the time we <laughs> thought. Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to it's, our episode on the bear season two. <laughs> the best thing about it is, is just like, it's, it's a very easy um, entry level show. If you have access to Hulu or whatever it's on because of how quick some of the episodes are, they're constant. Just the pacing is amazing. I won't like make this a pitch about the bear. Just go watch it. It is one of the best shows I think in the last year. And it would be fighting there for top three. If we were throwing it in this list, top three or four. I will say just for a quick commentary, I watched the bear season one, loved it. I just finished the Christmas episode of season two Woo! and I'm still See, he's, he's in the pocket. Wrong. Do not like the Christmas episode one way. Yeah. Did too wrong. much. Um, I'm waiting to understand why you guys are speaking the way you are speaking about season two. I'm hoping the second. Keep going. I I am going to keep going. It feels like Ted Lasso in the food industry and the way that things are going wrong. But then it's so wholesome in the end. I love the show. But yeah, I don't see season two there. It's all right. You can have bad opinions. Certainly can. As is my right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kyle, bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I now this is just an interesting question. Uh did Ted Lasso come out within this? I don't want to nominate it, but now that just got me thinking that you just said that. It's in the comedy bracket. That came so. out right within the yeah, oh, Ted okay. Lasso is gonna um, win the so comedy I, bracket, which it better. Yeah. I am going to so B Tom's pretty much took the two that I was going to talk about. So I will then switch gears and I will operate under the alternative reality of Luke's answer. And I will say that then um, I'm going to mispronounce his name and I apologize to my cousin, but uh, Eben Moss Bacharach who plays oh, yeah. cousin oh, Richie yeah. should for sure. I mean, would have been a nominee for me within this drama bracket, which would have broken the chokehold that white Lotus and succession have on the category at this point. Um, because I'm not, I'm even interested. I would love to like run a 
a quote unquote simulation of the bear slipping into this, into the drama category and seeing if any of those actors would have found their way into the and, supporting, they wouldn't have, but I mean, Richie. So Brian, that answer is something that you couldn't have an opinion on though. That one specifically, because like the payoff of why he's saying that is, is yeah. what you haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cousin Richie, who is in Andor, by the way, he is an Andor. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who does he play? What does he do? Is he a stormtrooper? A guy helping with Don't, a bank heist. Yeah, okay. The rebellion. Yeah. Guy He's knows part of the rebellion. Okay. Um, I know I won't steal Tyler's thunder, but the, a lot of the bear talk being in this category is another. I know Tyler always wanted another show that he loves in this drama category that's in comedy. So I won't steal his thunder in case that's what he's going to say. No, no, you're uh, not stealing my thunder. Okay. Barry. It. He always wanted Barry in this one, too. And I, I yeah. kind of agree. Um, just bury it anyway so um mine is gonna be i'm between i was i had four people that i because i wasn't sure who was gonna get stolen so i'm gonna go with emma darcy yeah that's a great uh, as Rhaenyra, that, i figured they you were, were fucking phenomenal um both actors millie who played the early one and then emmy emmy emma who played uh, older Rhaenyra, just phenomenal. Um, Olivia Cook was up there for me as well. I mean, Allison, both of them together in the same room. I mean, whew, my heart's pumping. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to stick with Emma Darcy um, because they fucking rocked. And that's my nomination. I can't believe they didn't get a nom. Love that. So, yeah, no, I'll, I'll round us out. This was my question and I planted it. So, I, because there was one person <laughs> that I wanted to talk about. And again, it's not. I know that some of some of you were talking about characters in shows that were nominated or moving nominations, but I'm going to talk about someone who's the main character in a show that wasn't nominated and is the example of who I think is getting screwed by the nominations process. But uh, one of my favorite shows ended this year, which is the show Snowfall, which was on FX. Mm-hmm. It was what I wanted to do a pitch town on before I swerved and did it on severance but you know i've got if you like severance silo you have you think this guy knows what he's talking about at least one percent <laughs> and get involved on snowfall and the main character of snowfall is damson Idris, who Ooh. is a uh he's a british actor that is you're going to be seeing a lot more of him he's starting to pop up in a lot of different things but um his performance in the finale of the show and the final season is one of the best acting performances i've seen in a couple of years and it's the exact example of the type of person that I think if we were just putting all the acting that happened in this past in this time frame year and just not putting this popularity factor into it, that he would be right up there with the Pedro's Pascals of the world. So love Snowfall. Definitely watch it if you've never heard of it before. But Damson Idris is the man. Mm hmm. Love that. Pedro and, is also on my list. And he dates Lori Harvey. So great answer. Great answer. Great answer. Great answer. Who does he date? <laughs> Lori Harvey. Steve Who's Harvey's that? daughter. Oh, great so, answer. Great, great answer. Great answer. Great oh, answer. now I understand. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll catch Thanks you for up. Explaining your joke. To me. Yeah, you're good. Can you explain the Vegas odds to me again? One more time? <laughs> we'll do that off the pod. Uh, no. Yeah, off the pod. <laughs> We don't have time. We gotta we gotta wrap this one up. Yeah, we, we are flirting with about an hour and a half here, and that was all the questions that we had. So I think that's gonna do it for us. 
Uh, thanks again to Tyler for stopping by. We always appreciate your uh, input, especially with the Emmys. I believe Luke is the one that said you have a uh, refined palate when it comes to uh, high quality TV shows. Um, so yeah, My pinky you... is up right now. <laughs> saying online. You set the bar high, and you do not hold punches, especially against Yellow Jackets, which started to feel kind of personal. But that's okay. That's why we. <laughs> that's why we bring you around. It was only really personal to Kathleen, uh, which is a okay. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it. Hopefully, you enjoyed our 2023 Emmys pre podcast coverage, whatever the hell we're calling it nowadays. As always, if you like what you heard, give Pinchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on bingetowntv.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, really wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV plus T Money. And thanks for listening. <laughs> Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck nice. Off. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.